Alright, welcome everybody to this week's episode of Trash Talk with Tony Nabrowski. My name is Tony Nabrowski, and I thank you for joining me today. So on this week's show, the guys and I discuss the Lions' Week 15 loss in Tennessee Titans, along with the Lions stunningly firing their special teams coordinator, Braden Coombs. We also talked about Grant's Vegas Raiders and the possible future of John Gruden, and we ended today's show by talking about the Pistons, as we are now just a few short days away from the Pistons opening up their 2020-2021 season. So without further ado, I hope you all sit back, relax, enjoy this week's episode of Trash Talk with Tony Nebrowski over on 88.3 FM, WXOU. Boys, this is the Trash Talk Holiday Special, so I guess why not play a little Christmas music to start. What's your guys' favorite Christmas song? Favorite Christmas song? Oh, I don't even know. I'd probably just Mariah Carey all I want for Christmas, honestly. Oh, yes. <laughs> what about you, Grant? Man, I don't really know. Like, there's a song by that No Doubt covered, and it's like kind of rock. It's called Oi to the World. And, like, I kind of dig it, but it's not really a Christmas song. I don't, like, love Christmas music. Yeah, I don't really love now it. Especially I'm... when you work a retail job, like, at the mall for so many years, and you hear it, like, constantly, constantly. Like, you get sick of it real quick. Now that I'm an adult, it just doesn't hit the same as it did when I was a kid, you know? What about you, Eli? What's your favorite Christmas song? I'm a big fan of uh, Mistletoe by Justin Bieber. Oh, oh. oh, that is a good one. I actually do like that one a lot. It's a tune. A lot. I haven't heard that this Christmas yet, so that's something I need to get on uh, before. <laughs> I don't really yeah, think I've heard much song. Christmas music at all. I always had a dream of singing that song to my middle school crush. Oh. You know, I was I, 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 I can with it. it. Uh, that's for uh, We can sing Christmas carols right now if we want. <laughs> no, we don't have to. We're have no, yourself a merry little Christmas. Trash. <laughs> Trash talk goes caroling. Trash talk goes caroling. Oh no, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Tigers, second dick. <laughs> Okay, that's enough. Welcome into the show this week on a Monday, live from um, everyone's basement and in, in everyone's homes. Usually we would be at the Oakland Center at Oakland University, but the Oakland Center is closed today for the holiday break. It's a good thing that I checked this morning because we were originally planning to go to the studio to do today's show, but they are closed, so we are doing the show from home. Nonetheless, this is Trash Talk with Tony Nabrowski with yours truly. Welcome into the show this week. It's great to have everyone in. So, in the Google Meet call, joining me, Mike Bilka will not be here this week. Actually, at the time of recording this, he's taking his final. So, uh, best of luck to Mr. Mike. But in the Google Meet call, first of all, with the light-up holiday sweater... It's just, no one can obviously see this right now, but the lights are going off right now. It's a Lions Christmas sweater, too. How are you doing, Tyler Sawa? Doing well. I missed last week's episode to get some finals like Mike this week. But, hey, we are back. Good to have you back. And that's, uh, that's a heck of a sweater right there. I appreciate it. <laughs> Grant is rocking the, it's a light-up Christmas hat, but I'm not sure what it is is so grant richards how are you doing oh. today what's going on there i am i am well um on this monday it has been a rough weekend of football for all but Second this is dick. a thank you <laughs> this is a light up hat that says dachshund through the snow and it has a little wiener dog on it with lights so oh, look, we're living life over look, here look at that that's nice last but not least keeping it very simple is eli bashy with the santa hat and the red shirt how we doing eli 
I'm very festive on this fine morning. I feel fantastic, Tony. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, I'm I'm also very festive today. As you can see in the Google Me call, I've got a custom Tony D Santa hat that is crushing my skull as we speak. So later on in the program, I might pass out because of how tight this hat is on my ginormous head. But boys, it's great to have you in here on the show this week on the Trash Talk Christmas special. So there is a lot that we're going to talk about this week. Later on in the show, we will talk about the Pistons as we are just a few days away from the Pistons opening up the 2020-2021 season. It will be our first regular season action of the Pistons in, what, nine months? I mean, it's been a minute, and this week we're finally going to get the Pistons back as Eli plays with his little, what what is that called, like a ball? On the yeah, Santa hat, a poof, the the little poof he's playing with the poof as we speak. I'll play with it too. He's, he's got a very big ball. Like, That's a like big that. poof. Yeah, why hey. do you have such a big poof? You guys, stop! You can't body shame. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> stop doing that. All right. Later on in the program, we we are also going to talk about Grant's Vegas Raiders. Grant, we gotta have a conversation about John Gruden, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, we, we don't have to do oh, that. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you're you're here. We got to talk about the Raiders, and we got to go ahead and talk about your head coach for a little bit. First of all, we obviously got to start with the Lions. Um, you know, Tyler is very upset with the Lions <laughs> on, this mo- on this Monday morning. So before we talk about the Braden Coombs firing boys, let's actually talk about the game yesterday against Tennessee. I mean, there's not too much to talk about with that game. It, it was a fun competitive football game for the first three quarters, but then once the fourth quarter came along, it was just a <laughs> a bad blowout. Um, but I, I do have two big takeaways from that game yesterday. You know, first of all, uh, this we we already knew this, but yesterday just reminded us how much of a disaster <laughs> this Lions defense is. Healthy or not, this defense absolutely blows. Um, the next general manager and head coach that comes in here, the next regime, they're going to have some big decisions to make with both Matthew Stafford and Kenny Galladay. But they're also going to have the work cut out for them because we've mentioned this several times on this show. Whoever comes in here as the next GM and head coach, they are going to have to completely gut and rebuild this entire defense from top to bottom. I mean, when I look at this defense, boys, there's maybe two or three players that I would consider keeping around. Jeff Okuda, Tracy Walker, and then maybe AO. Maybe, maybe not. Those are the only guys that I would keep. And you might ask yourself, listening at home, well, what about Romeo Okora? Listen, Romeo Okora has been very good this season for the Lions. In fact, I mentioned this in my postgame video yesterday. He has been the only bright spot to that defense this season. He's been very good. He had that safety in yesterday's game. He's got eight sacks on the season now, I believe. He's been fantastic. But the thing with Romeo Okora is that someone is going to pay him the bank this offseason. And I'm not really sure it should be the Lions, because if I was the next GM coming in here, my thinking would be, on this defense, let's go younger and cheaper instead of throwing money at a guy like Romeo Okora, who's just going to limit what you're able to do elsewhere. You know, that's my thinking, but... Even if you keep Romero Cora, oh, big whoop. Okay, now you have maybe three or four players that you want to keep instead of two or three. The moral of the story here is that the defense needs to be absolutely gutted from top to bottom. And it's not going to be a one-year fix either. You know, I could see this being a two, three-year thing maybe. I mean, it's going to 
it's not it's not going to be easy to completely rebuild this defense, but the next regime is going to have to do that thanks to the previous regime and their their duties over the past few years. So that's that's one big takeaway. The second big takeaway is Matthew Stafford. Now, I know Tyler was very vocal on Twitter yesterday morning talking about how unhappy he was with the Lions playing Matthew Stafford yesterday. But this quote from Matthew Stafford after the game, I literally wrote it down because it's so good. When Matthew Stafford was asked why he played in that game yesterday, he said, and I quote, because I'm the quarterback of the Detroit Lions and it's Sunday. Even though he came into that game with a busted up thumb and torn rib cartilage or whatever the exact injury is, he still wanted to go out there and play. And that just shows you how tough of a guy he is and how dedicated he is to not only this organization, but the game of football. And that's that's just what I love about Matthew Stafford. The fact that he didn't have to play, and he probably should not have played, but he still went out there, started, and not only did he start that game with a bad thumb and bad ribs, but he also played very well, 22 of 32, 252 passing yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He was good yesterday, and he also had some incredible throws in that game. You know, the touchdown to Marvin Jones Jr. in the first quarter was very nice. He had one throw, I believe it was in the second half, to Quintess Cephas, which was just another incredible throw on his part. Again, Stafford probably should not have played yesterday, but despite that, despite all the injuries and all the hell that he's been through this season, he went out there and said, I'm the quarterback of the Lions, and it's Sunday, let's go play some football. And that's that's just what I love about Matthew Stafford. And as we've already mentioned earlier on in the segment, we we know this. The next GM and head coach, they are going to have a big decision on their hands about Matthew Stafford. Do you keep him or do you want to move off of him and just start completely fresh? If they do move off of Matthew Stafford, I can guarantee you it's not going to be because they think Stafford is some bum. Because when you see a game like yesterday from Stafford and you hear that quote from him after the game about how he's a quarterback of the Lions, it's Sunday, he's going to be playing, it just makes you respect him more. And it goes to show you that the next GM and head coach, if they do decide to move off of him, it's not going to be because it's not going to be because they think he's just some bum. They just think it's going to be smart to go in a completely different direction. But we'll we'll spend more time on that conversation as we get into the off season here. So I'll throw to Tyler first because I know he's got a lot to say about this football team right now. So Tyler, just talk to me about the game yesterday, and then if you want to get into your thoughts on Braden Coombs as well, you can. So, you know, before the game, I was already frustrated going into the game. You know, whether they won, lost, tie, I didn't really care, honestly, because the game was meaningless to me. And, you know, I'm going to connect this with Braden Coombs and with making that Matthew Stafford decision. So the organization had, you know, the big boy pants to make a decision to fire a bright spot of the team, a young special teams coordinator who's flipped the unit from a bottom 20 unit to a top five unit this year. They had the big boy pants to make a decision like that, but they didn't have the big boy decision to sit down your biggest investment when your team was five and eight, five and eight versus a nine and four Tennessee Titans team with your quarterback having already a boo-boo ribs, a boo-boo thumb, and boo-boo. your next regime is going to have a huge decision of what they're going to do with that quarterback. So 
The Lions in the offseason have two options. Option one, they're going to run it back with Matthew Stafford, try to build the team around him one more time with a new regime and see how that goes. Option two, they draft the quarterback in the first round, and you know they're going to hand the keys to that rookie quarterback in maybe another year, and then they'll you know try to trade Stafford. Both those scenarios, you need a healthy Matthew Stafford because in option one, if you're trying to build around Matthew Stafford, you definitely don't want to hurt Matthew Stafford three years in a row, and if he took one bad injury, that's three years in a row with a significant injury. Two years with a back injury, and then this year would have been with a rib injury. All right, option two, if you want to uh, give the keys to a young rookie quarterback, that includes probably trading Matthew Stafford, and if he gets another boo-boo injury, that takes away all trade value of Matthew Stafford if he has three significant injuries. I mean, not all trade value, but it takes significant trade value away from Matthew Stafford. So um, I think a, a smart organization benches their quarterback in a meaningless game when you have a 1% chance of making the playoffs, a 1% chance of making the playoffs, and you risk your quarterback who seriously got hurt in the ribs, and it was serious enough where he had to be pulled out of the game. And we know Matthew Stafford. He doesn't come out of games for a small little boo-boo injury. Like, these were significant injuries, and he had to be pulled out of the game at, at the last four minutes of the game when they were only down 10 points, and they had a drive where they could have made it a one-possession game. I mean, it was significant, obviously, and he had one day of a limited uh, parts man practice. So... I don't know. Uh, I think a smart organization, you know, sits on their big investment and makes that decision for the office and you shut them down for the rest of the year. And, you know, then you let the next regime make the decision of what they need to do on Matthew Stafford, if that is keeping him or if that is trading him or whatever. So, I don't know. I thought it was a very, you know, unacceptable move by the organization. I think a smart organization doesn't play their biggest investment. If it's like a, a guy like, I don't know, like Carry on Johnson, that doesn't matter because Carry on Johnson still has a lot to prove. This guy has nothing to prove. He's your biggest investment on the field, no question. And I don't know. You risked his health when he was already really seriously injured and for a 5-8 and eight team. I respect him. I respect Daryl Bevel playing him because, you know, at the end of the day, he's playing for his job right now. So I understand why he wanted him out there. For Matthew Stafford, I mean, I respect the hell out of him, and everyone should for going on the field for a 5-8 and eight team. But as far as the, the people that have stability, people like Rod Wood, uh, Sheila Ford obviously owns the team, they have to make a, a big boy decision and make a decision what's smart for the team down the line and not what's smart for the decision right now. So that's just me personally. I, I will say this about Matthew Stafford again. While I do, res- as you mentioned, while I do respect Stafford and Bevel for having him play yesterday, that's one of the things that I love about Matthew Stafford, that toughness and the dedication to the game and this organization I will also admit that he probably should not have played yesterday, and he probably should not play going forward. Now that the Lions are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, if he's not 100%, it really really now doesn't make sense to play him. It didn't make much sense before, but now that they're mathematically eliminated, now it really doesn't make much sense to play him. But yesterday, when they were still technically not eliminated from the race, um, I don't know, man. Like... I get your argument, and I get other people's arguments about how he should not have played, but when I see quotes like that from Matthew Stafford, and I see how well he plays even despite the injuries, I don't know, the fanboy in me just goes kind of crazy about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, play, he played well. He played really well. He did play well, and the fact that he had a bust-up thumb and, in your words, boo-boo ribs, and still played well, it just, it, it's incredible. Not many 
players, let alone quarterbacks in his league, can play that well when they have those types of injuries. So, uh, again, you you got to respect it, and it just goes to show you, as I've already mentioned, how the next GM and head coach that comes in here, if they do decide to move off of Matthew Stafford, it's not going to be because they think he's some bum they're probably going to move off of him because they think it's smarter to just go into a different direction and go younger. You know, I can't imagine some GM or head coach comes in here and sees quotes like this from Stafford and sees performances like that, even with his injuries, and goes, yeah, he's a bum, let's not build around him. Like, that narrative is flowing around out there. That's not going to be the case at all. If the Lions decide to move off of Matthew Stafford this offseason, it's going to be because... The new GM and head coach thinks it's just smart to go in a different direction and just rebuild from the start with a new rookie quarterback. But again, we'll talk about that when we get closer and into the offseason itself. But now let's talk about Braden Coombs, Tyler, and everyone else. So at the time of recording this, Braden Coombs, the special teams coordinator for the Lions, was fired a few hours ago. It's just a really questioning move. Now we are seeing more details about why he was fired And before I send it back to Tyler, I'll just give my two cents on this. I mean, if the reports are true, which they probably are, about how uh, Braden Coombs called for a fake punt in that Titans game without Daryl Bevel's approval, then I kind of understand firing him. Uh, You can't just go against your head coach like that, interim or not. that's That's a decision on Coombs that you just can't make. And I understand firing him for that reason, but... At the same time, though, Braden Coombs was the only bright spot, or one of the only bright spots, on that entire coaching staff this season. Um, Braden Coombs turned around that special teams unit from one of the worst, if not the worst, in football to one of the better special team units in football. And to have your interim coach fire him, regardless of why, I don't know, man. I just don't know if an interim head coach who might not be here next season should be making that big of a decision like that. But, Tyler, again, I'll throw it to you because I know you have some more strong thoughts on Brandon Coombs getting fired. But just give me your reaction when you saw the news and what's your mindset right now about it. I rolled out of bed, checked my phone, and it, like a Dave Briquette tweet just popped up. The lines are relieving duties of Brandon Coombs, and I'm like... Am I reading this correctly? Is this the right account? Like, I, thought, like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, so the initial reaction, I can't even remember because, honestly, I don't remember what happened. But... I actually have live audio of Tyler's reaction. Second dick. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this was tough, man. And this kind of just goes back to the organization making a big boy decision now. Like, now they want to make a big boy decision, not the day before, not even 24 hours before of – sitting your biggest investment and it kind of connects to it. Okay. Your coach right now has zero stability. You don't know if this guy is your next head coach going forward. You don't know if this guy's even part of your organization going forward. And yes, I agree that, or that Brian Coombs should not be making a decision like that. You know, it should obviously run through the head coach and that, that, you know, that's unacceptable, but there's many other things flawed with this team. Like Brady Coombs <laughs> running a fake punt for a 5-8 and eight team down 14 points when they should have gone for it on fourth down regardless. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Brady Coombs is like, man, I got to take over this game because, I mean, what are we doing here? So I, I thought it was unacceptable. Uh, and I don't understand it, man. It's, this was something that you should let the next regime 
you know, make this type of decision. Like, I understand why Daryl Bell was frustrated. You know, he is the interim head coach right now, and the play wasn't run by him. And that's a significant play on, you know, mm-hmm. the game itself. Mm-hmm. You know, he's obviously auditioning for a job next year, and you yeah. know, he wants to get put the best effort and try to put his team in, you know, to win so he can, you know, get a fair look for that head coaching spot. But, again, the people that have long stability in this organization, people like Rod Wood, people like Sheila Ford, have to tell Daryl, Okay, Daryl. I'm sorry. I mean, this guy's. Uh, this is a, a future piece that we look, we look at and say, this is a guy we want to build off. We want to build off Braden Coombs and what he's done in the special teams unit and keep it going forward because Braden Coombs has flipped this whole special teams unit, like you said, from a bottom unit to a now top five unit. So, I think the organization has to look at Daryl Weber like, we understand your frustration, but at the end of the day, this is a guy we know we want to have stability with. We want the next regime to make a decision on him. And, you know, unfortunately, we can't let you make that decision. It might frustrate Daryl Bevel, but at the end of the day, you are the owner of the team. You are the president of the team. You have stability over Daryl Bevel. You are a higher say than Daryl Bevel. So you have to make the big boy decision and do what's right. You know, if this was something maybe that they were against, I've heard a lot of the culture thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Spielman's press conference, he brought up the word culture a million times. Rod Wood brought the word culture a million times. And the only thing that makes it maybe justifying it is saying, this didn't fit their culture and what they want to build. And this was already a no-go and the next regime doesn't even have a say in this. I don't agree with that person. I thought the regime should have a say of who they want as their special teams coordinator, but I don't know. It's very frustrating because this guy, like I mentioned, you know, flipped the whole special teams unit around from a bottom five unit to now a top five unit in over one year. So it was a, a significant jump and, I don't know. This one just didn't really make sense to me because, I mean, there's not really much positive to take out of the lines this year. But if there was one, you could say it's that special teams unit because they've improved in every single aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, firing Braden Coombs because he made a decision to go for that fake pun without Bevel's approval. I I completely understand that. Again, if you're Coombs, you can't make that decision without your head coach's approval. That's That's bad on his part. No one's arguing that. What we're what we are arguing is that, as Tyler just mentioned, if there was one bright spot to that coaching staff this season, it was Braden Coombs, and to fire him right now, I don't know. It it also just doesn't really sit right with me because if you told me to look at that coaching staff and bring one guy back, it would have been Braden Coombs absolutely because, as Tyler just mentioned. He turned that special teams unit in one season, not even one season, from one of the worst special team units in football to one of the better ones. I mean, if you remember the Minnesota game in Minnesota, they had, what, two block punts? Yeah, that's... The week before versus the Colts, a block punt. Yeah, like, the special teams unit was really good this season, and... I mean, as we've already mentioned, Braden Coombs should not have made that decision to go for the fake punt without Bevel's approval. But still, I don't know if that's a move that the interim head coach, who might not be back next year, should be making. And I don't know if that's a decision that Rod Wood should be making either, because Rod Wood is literally on record saying that he is not a football guy. So the fact that he's making these football decisions when he's not a football guy, that's never sat right with me, and now it just really doesn't sit right with me. I mean... You forgot the biggest quote. Um, I'm not qualified to run a, another NFL organization but the Detroit Lions. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> I was just going to let that one sit there, but Tyler, Tyler <laughs> threw it out there. Any other organization but the Detroit Lions. <laughs> oh, no. I, I I don't know, man. I think, was it you, Tyler, that put on Twitter that Rod Wood also has to go? When, yes, I mean, I've said it multiple times. Yeah. This is something that they need to – Patricia, Quinn, and Rod Wood. This guy should not be – the, the crazy thing is he got a promotion. Mm-hmm. He's not the CEO of the team. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was fine with him if they want to keep him on the business side because I understand every NFL organization needs someone on the business side to, you know, deal with all the financial stuff, and that's fine. I mean, you know, that's something he probably should be, you know, you know, doing, whatever. I don't care about that stuff because that doesn't affect the football product itself. That affects the Ford and their their money, whatever. But when it comes to making football decisions, I'm going to say something about it. This guy should have zero football say of what's going on with the team. And that's mm-hmm. just ridiculous to me. I will say this about Coombs as well. One of my followers tweeted this at me a few minutes ago. And it's kind of interesting to think about. Because the Lions could have challenged that the spot on the fake punts. And a lot yeah. of people were kind of upset that Bevel did not challenge that. What would have happened to Braden Coombs today if A... He either got the fake punts or B, they challenged it and it, it went in the Lions' favor. Uh, probably nothing would have happened. Probably just everyone would have remained their job. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And did you hear uh, Daryl Bevel's explanation on the fake punt too? Um, I saw a long quote, but I didn't, I didn't yeah. read it. Yeah, so yeah, Kyle Menke basically just like the short it was saying um, – like they kind of just said is like something we like you know liked in practice. We have a couple fake plays in like our you know our formations or whatever, and it's something that we like. So he kind of backed it up. I know it's coaches talk, and obviously in the press conference he's not going to call it as you know special teams coordinator when he didn't know you know the answer he was going to get because he obviously had to approve it with Rod Wood first and see if the decision was going to happen. But I mean he didn't totally he didn't shoot it down at all. He kind of you know agreed with it. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to take too much into it. it's coaches talk. Yeah. Um, one last thing about Brandon Coombs, and then we'll segue into something else. Um, Dave, I think it was Dave McKay of the Free Press who also mentioned that, and I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines of uh, firing Brandon Coombs was a decision that's been building for a while now. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, they were already planning to fire Brandon Coombs. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I tweeted this when I first saw that. I kind of... What that said to me was, okay, maybe the Lions just want to start completely fresh and get everybody on that coaching staff out of here. Everyone that was associated with Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, they just want to get them out of here. But as we've talked about already, if there was one coach I would keep around, it would have been Braden Coombs. Here's another thing about Braden Coombs that we haven't mentioned yet. When you look at a list from... Any, like, big-time NFL insider. A list of future head coaching candidates. He's one of them. Braden Coombs' name is on some of those lists. When Matt Patricia was fired, there was there were a lot of people saying that they wanted Braden Coombs as the interim guy because they knew that there was a possibility that you could just hire him and that would be your head coach of the future. And now we just fired him because of a fake punt. And again, he should not have won against Daryl Bevel, but I don't agree making that decision. If you're Daryl Bevel as an interim head coach, and if you're Rod Wood, who's not a football guy, as as Tyler said, and I agree with 100%, I will just try to fix the relationship, if you will, and just say, listen, 
Coombs, you should not have done that, but we're going to let the the next regime make that decision whether or not to keep everyone or not. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that's that's my biggest takeaway, like the timing of it. If it was something that happened in the offseason, you know, it's something I probably still wouldn't be, like, too overly ha- happy about, obviously. But, like, I could understand the decision a little bit more. You know, the yeah. new regime wants to bring their own guys in. Exactly. That's completely fine. Yeah. But I thought the new regime should have the opportunity to keep him on their staff for what he did this offseason and get a fair shot of being, this, you know, the future special teams coordinator going forward with the line. So I just hate the timing of it. And I hate who made the decision of it. Like, Daryl Bevel, really? This guy has zero stability with the organization. And he's making a shot like that? Yeah, and you know, speaking of Daryl Bevel, that's a good segue into our next segment. Um, you obviously weren't here last week, and on last week's episode, we talked about the job Daryl Bevel has done so far as interim head coach. Because after last week's game against the Packers, and even after yesterday's game against Tennessee, there were some people on Twitter talking about how Daryl Bevel he might be coaching his way into either an interview or straight up coming back next season as the head coach or the OC. Again, we talked about it last week and we agreed that Darryl Bell was doing a nice job and he, he should probably get an interview. I mean, I don't think that's unfair to say he should probably definitely get an interview uh, that for the head coaching job that is, but to straight up hire him as the head coach I said this last week, I'll say it again right now, and Tyler, I want your thoughts again on this. Daryl Bevel doesn't crack my top five of potential coaching candidates. Again, he's done a very nice job as the interim head coach, and it's very clear that the players are playing for him, and he's done a good job having these guys fight for him, even when this is not a good football team at all. But he's, again, he still doesn't crack my top five of potential coaching candidates. You know, my top five... One is Joe Brady, the Panthers OC. Two is Robert Sala, the 49ers DC. That's one and two. Those are in order. But three through five, this is not in any order because I I just don't have any rankings for these guys. Um, Brian Dable, the Bills OC. You have Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs OC. And then Arthur Smith, the Titans OC. Again, Brady one, Sala two. Those are ranked, but then Dable, Biennemi, and Arthur Smith, that's not really ranked. Moral of the story, though, Daryl Bevel doesn't even crack my top five of potential coach candidates for this team. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts on this talk about Daryl Bevel possibly coming back next season as either the head coach or the offensive coordinator? So outside of this morning, I've actually thought Daryl Bevel's had a pretty good audition of, you know, being the interim head coach. Thought he's done a lot of good things for this team. And like you mentioned, the fight for the team. I mean, fighting for their team is not something like we should just be like labeling. It's just because we had such a bad head coach. It looks like fighting for their team. It's like it's well, a lot better than what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it's how bad the last regime was. So like when I hear like the term, he's these guys are fighting for Joe Bevel. I'm like, isn't every NFL team supposed to be fighting for their coach? But whatever, different story, different day. He's got his guys fighting for him, which is good for him. But um, you know, there's not really many wrong things Daryl Bevel's done, and it's like hard to judge him for what he's done this year because at the end of the day, this is not his roster, and this is not the personnel he you know personally built. So I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a very interesting decision of what Spielman and you know. Sheila, Rod Wood, what this is they end up making. It's going to be interesting. Um, I don't think he's done anything necessarily to say, you know, he doesn't deserve the shot because, like I said, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's flipped the whole offense around in three weeks, you know, having full control, and it's just mm-hmm. been 
a way better offense the last three weeks. And it kind of makes you like interested, like what if you keep Daryl Bevel? Like, what is this team looking like? What if he gets the opportunity to build a team and like, what does it look like? So I don't know. It's like an interesting decision, like hard to judge, honestly. But at the end of the day, um, I'm more towards, you know, be building this team and like, let's go through a new future. I think if you're keeping Daryl Bevel, I think you're telling your locker room that we're still competing and we're going to still go for this. And I think mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford is still part of your long-term plans. So for me and, you know, where I want to head towards a rebuild, I'm going to say no on Daryl Bevel, but if the Lions want to remain competitive potentially and like build around Stafford one more time, I think you keep Daryl Bevel, but I think the smart decision would be to rebuild. But I think if you want to, you know, compete, I think Daryl Bevel is the perfect candidate right now because everyone already knows the offense. And then at that point, you would just have to hope and bank on the Lions fixing their defense in one or two years, which just doesn't seem that realistic in one year, definitely. So yeah. that's why I'm kind of out on Daryl Bevel. But I mean, that's the only way I see me in the job is if ownership thinks he this team is still good and that they could flip it around in one year, which I think is almost impossible in my opinion. <laughs> I, I also don't think it's possible to completely flip that defense. I mean, it is possible to flip your team completely around just by having a good off season. One of the people in this Google me can attest to that because Grants Vegas Raiders have done that before with Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Uh, the New Orleans Saints have done that with their 2017 draft class, I believe it was. The class with Lattimore and all those yeah. other studs that they drafted. Ryan Ranchek was another one. It's possible, but for this football team with that defense, I don't care who you hire as a head coach and general manager. I just I, I don't see it happening. But yeah. Tyler, talk to me about the head coaching vacancy. I mentioned my list of candidates out there. And again, Daryl Bevel to even crack my top five. So do you have a potential list of head coaching candidates? And if you do, where does Daryl Bevel fall into that? It's tough to determine um, just because I don't know who the next general manager is. And I think that's going to have a huge say of who the next head coach is going to be. Um, I've mentioned <clears throat> on here that I think Joe Brady deserves a fair shot. I don't know if he'll get that shot this year just because of his age. But I definitely think he deserves a fair shot of being a head coach just because of what he's been able to do. Uh, he showed at LSU last year. He's, you know, he's made this Carolina Panthers offense a lot of fun. So I think he, you know, he deserves a fair shot. I don't think it's going to happen, though. But um, the only way I'm keeping Daryl Bevel, like I said, is if I think that they could take this team over in one year and fix it and make this team a division rival or a, you know, a team that could compete for the division, a team that could compete in the playoffs. And I sure just don't think that. I just don't think they could do that in one year. I think it's too much of an ask. And I think that's the only reason why you keep Daryl Bevel, just because of his connection with Stafford and how good Stafford has looked. Um, I think the smart decision right now is to look at the future, and that is getting your you know, your next quarterback. Um, because I, we're, we're at the point right now where Stafford's, what, 32 years old. He's got two years left on his contract. How much more in the can or how much more in the tank does Stafford have left? And I think Stafford has a lot in the tank left. That's not, you know, disagreeing, but like you still have so many investments you have to put into this defense. Then you would have to also put into paying Stafford. You're gonna have to pay Frank Ragnar real soon. So it's just gonna like not add up all financially and building a good team. So I don't think Daryl cracks the top five for me either, honestly. Yeah. But um as as you know, far as the head coach, who I think it should be. I don't know, man. It's, it's still really early. Yeah, it's, it's tough to determine. Like, I got to see 
who the next general manager because they'll probably bring someone they know. If it's like Ed Dodds, let's say from the Colts, I think Robert Sala's got a good chance at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's like Lewis Riddick, I don't know who his head coach would even be, but I, I don't know. It just it just depends, you know. Mm-hmm. Before we let Grant and Eli into the conversation, because I've been kind of going all my questions towards Tyler here. Um, we have seen, with regards to general manager search as well, we, unlike the head coaching search, we have seen a lot of names actually connected to the Lions and people they've actually interviewed already or they are planning to interview this week, Christmas week. So of the list of, what is it, like five or six guys the Lions have talked to already, are there any candidates that really stick out to you? I don't know, honestly. Like Rick Smith, he did a fine job in Houston, I thought. Um, that's you know, someone people... you brought up before on Trash Talk. Yeah, yeah so that's that's intriguing i guess i mean he's he i thought he did a very good job in houston obviously i mean bill o'brien kind of took that roster and put it to got it put it very down <laughs> he got <laughs> it uh and then you got the falcons former gm i mean i guess that's interesting lewis riddick is intriguing i guess something this you know what he could do i mean he hasn't had a general manager gig before he's been a scout a pro scout for the eagles in 2013 um so they want to go the tv route that's something I don't know. I think Rick Smith would probably be my number one out of the ones we've interviewed so far. I think he makes the most sense. Um, I think, you know, he's drafted some studs, especially in the first round, getting guys like, you know, J.J. Watt, getting guys like DeAndre Hopkins in, so Sean Watson. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think he's definitely got an eye for talent. So, I mean, I think it's interesting. And with regards to Rick Smith, while he's made some good moves, he also did make one really bad move in paying the bank to Brock Osweiler. People, yeah. people yeah. will bring that up, and yeah. my argument is something that one of my followers tweeted to me when we first were mentioned in the Rick Smith um, interview camp, if you will. Uh, if you criticize every former GM's bad moves, like if you want to hire a perfect GM, you're not going to f- hire anybody good, <laughs> you know? Some of these GMs are out there, some have made some good moves, and some have made some bad moves. They're going to be out there. Rick Smith has done some really, really good things, especially th- through the draft. So he's an intriguing candidate. And also, I saw your co-host on the Pride Podcast, Pierre, tweet a report that the Lions are apparently high on the former Falcons GM, uh, Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, wh- what's yeah. your quick take on that? He did, I mean, he brought the team to the Super Bowl. He, brought, he built a good roster. He did. Very good he offense. did. Solid drafting. So... You know, maybe was that more on coaching, holding those guys back from taking that next step? Was that more on Dan Quinn potentially more than, you know, the, the team building? Because, I, I mean, every year it seems like we go into the, you know, we talk about the Falcons. We're like, this team is very talented and they have all the tools to, you know, take the next step. And then it always just seems like they fall, you know, they collapse. And it seems like it falls more on coaching more than talent. So, so, I mean, I guess that's intriguing. That's interesting. Like we mentioned, he built a Super Bowl roster team and a team that actually went to the Super Bowl. So maybe it just interests you if he gets another gig, you know, maybe to build another roster. That could be interesting. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be against it, honestly. I mean, there's not going to be really much if they hire a general manager. I'm going to be against It's just hard to judge because what they've done in the past doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're going to do going forward with their new franchise. So it's hard to, like, judge this stuff. It's hard to, like, have favorites at general manager. I think a coaching candidate makes a little more sense because you've seen what they've done. But even that, like, it just because what they've done as a, a defensive coordinator, let's say in San Francisco, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to bring that to Detroit. I mean, look at Patricia. I mean, Patricia um, was an electric coach in New England. Uh, and in Detroit, I was we saw him like this. You can't see me, but 
cross arm. Yeah. Blank face, looking everywhere. Like we didn't. See Eli that loves before. that. There he goes. There he <laughs> yeah, goes. So, I don't know. It's it's just tough to like determine that type of stuff. But oh, Eli's um, got the pencil and the Google Meet call. Oh, there we go. Oh. <laughs> I think especially general managers, it's just tough to determine from what they've done in the past. Necessarily means that they're going to bring that to your team going forward. Grant put a pencil in the Google Meet the chat. chat. <laughs> I don't have a pencil with me. I'm in my uh, my uh, basement right now. I didn't bring a pencil with me. If I did, I'd put it in the Santa hat right now. Now, Tyler, go ahead. You can rest your vocal cords. I'll right. start letting the other. Oh yes, I'll I'll let the other two get in here. I have one specific question for each of you, so I'll start with Eli and then we'll go to Grant. So. Eli, I know you're a big Stafford defender, just like the rest of us. Not to kind of backtrack here, but when you saw that Stafford was going to play yesterday and you watched that game and watched how well he performed despite having the boo-boo thumb and the boo-boo ribs, just as someone who has countlessly defended Matthew Stafford on Twitter, what was your thoughts on that? Um, I wasn't shocked. Like, we all know who Matthew Stafford is. <clears throat> it wasn't shocking at all to see that he wanted to play because that's just who he is. If he's literally, if he's physically able to play, he's just going to play. So, and I know they can't, you just can't talk him out of it. Like he, he's too, he's too committed and stubborn and he thinks he owes it to the organization when in reality they owe it to him to rest him and let him not get killed because Joe Dahl snaps a ball at the ground and he has to go and get the ball and then get sacked and killed and lays on the ground and I thought he was dead. So, uh, And then not having your, 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 your Pro Bowl center there and having Joe Dahl, that's even more of a reason to like not play Stafford because clearly Joe Dahl... Um, not the not the best center in the world because he almost got my quarterback killed but uh yeah that's just who he is man he's just he's gonna play if he's physically able to play he's gonna play and he he did what he does and he, he there was still people like oh it wasn't even didn't even make a difference that he played they still were gonna lose the game yeah well look at his their defense look at everything every literally everything else by him look at it no they have no wide receivers other than marvin jones carrying that everything but everyone else like everyone else is pretty much blech to kind of bounce off that last point that you made eli going back to the general manager conversation that we just had with tyler again we don't know who the next gm is going to be obviously but i will tell you there's one candidate the lions have already talked to that if he is hired, he is definitely going to understand and probably agree to what Eli just said. That's Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick, we all know, loves him some Matthew Stafford. If Lewis Riddick potentially got that job, I, I definitely think he might keep Stafford want to build around him. But that's something we'll just have to wait and see if it, if it potentially happens. Um, let's go to Grant now. And again, not to kind of bounce from topic to topic, but... Uh, to get Grant involved here. As an outsider, Grant, because obviously you're a Raiders fan and not a Lions fan. As an outsider, seeing the news that Braden Coon... Oh, whoa, whoa, he's got the Lions hoodie in the Google Me call. Well, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. 
All right. So, Grant, as an outsider slash insider, I guess, and Tyler's got the Christmas lights back on his sweater. So, Grant, as an outsider, when you see that Braden Coombs got fired and you see the reaction from guys like Tyler and myself and everyone else on Lions Twitter, what what's your take on that? It just it feels wrong considering where Daryl Bevel is right now and in an interim role. Yes, he was, um, whatever the word is, they went over his head behind his back to run this play that he didn't call. Sure, but that's where you sit a guy down in your office Monday morning and you just chew him out. You give him an hour-long, like, hey, don't you ever like disrespect me like that or anything. I just don't think you fire him at this point in the season. Two games left in the year, the only thing firing him, firing Coombs did was send a message. And at that point, the only message I see from that where people can maybe take a positive swing is Daryl Bevel's trying to say he won't take that trash from nobody. Like he's trying to say, I'm going to lead with the hammer instead of just letting people do whatever they want. If it works, it works. It doesn't, it doesn't. He's trying to establish some sort of superiority that he can say, Hey, look, I know how to actually run a team. But I think by making an example of, like we've all kind of addressed on, making an example of one of your better coaches, one of your better assistant coaches, might not have been the right thing to do. Yeah. Again, it goes back to what Tyler and I have mentioned at length throughout the earlier parts of this Lions segment here. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just not sure that's a move the Lions should have made right now, especially with interim coach Daryl Bevel. But I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on that as someone who, despite the Lions hoodie, is not is the Lions are not his number one team. So I just wanted to get your kind of outside opinion on that. So um, I think we pretty much addressed everything with the Lions here. Uh, Two games left, boys. We got two games left. I tweeted before the Titans game yesterday, that was the last road game of the season. So we are getting pretty close to the end here, and we're getting close to what's going to be a massive offseason for the Lions. Uh, Final two games versus Tampa Bay, which is a Saturday afternoon game. Tampa Bay's so weird to me, man. I I don't know. The Lions aren't going to win that game, but Tyler, am I crazy to think that that might be closer than what people might think? They're kind of frauds. <laughs> See, I don't like the way Tampa Bay's playing at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing people, and rightly so, it's Tom Brady, but there are people saying, oh, they're just going to kick it up in the playoffs. They'll be fine. I don't know, man. <laughs> I think that game no. could be closer on Saturday than people think. I'm not saying the Lions are going to win or anything. I don't think they do, nor do I want them to. But I, ooh, I, I don't know. That game might be closer than people think. So It, it matters. If Stafford plays that game, it's going to be close. Yeah. If they shut him down, and Chase Daniel will probably destroy us. We mentioned earlier in the episode, it might be smarter to just shut down Matthew Stafford now. But I mean, there's literally no... like If I was already pissed yesterday when they had a 1% chance <laughs> to they actually have a 0% chance to make the playoffs. There's yeah. literally zero reason to play them now. Yeah. I-, I was happy to see him play yesterday. The Stafford fanboy in me loved that. But now going forward, now it really just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just really doesn't make sense now to play him. But we'll see. So that's one of two games left this Saturday against Tampa. And then uh, the the finale to close out the season is obviously against Minnesota. That's another game where I'm starting to think that, uh, I don't know, that might be a little scrappy win 
from the Fighting Lions under Daryl Bevel. I mean, Minnesota. We got to hope that the Vikings aren't playoff consideration by that game. We, we got to hope they, they're out or in. No, they are in. Yeah. We have to hope they are in well, playoff contention and fighting for a wild card spot for that game. So. Yeah, well, yesterday's loss against the Bears didn't exactly help that case at all. But yeah, then the again... Then again, they have they have Dalvin Cook, and he'll destroy this run defense, so I don't know. We'll see. Regardless, though, that will put a wrap on our Lions talk for the day. Um, before we talk about the Pistons, let's quickly mention, oh, Eli is in the Google Me call twice. There we go. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, my wife. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, oh, okay, Eli's back. Right when we start talking about the Pistons, too. Eli, right. you okay? Yeah, you know what that means? We got to talk baseball now. Oh, yeah. you <laughs> want? Yeah. All right, Tyler, what do you want to talk about with the Tigers? The fact that they haven't done jack squat yet? That, uh, David Dahl signed with the Texas Rangers. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Listen, man. Dahl Detroit, it was a good try. It was a really good try, but... Oh boy! <laughs> uh, we got we got we got to do something for like the lines this year. Like I'm gonna do like a random guy like Corey Davis Detroit this year or something. <laughs> Even yeah. that might be more two two more of a, a significant player than David Dahl was. Well, you know what, Tyler? If we want to go back to the Tigers, what about hashtag Alex Avila to Detroit? Alex Avila, we do need a catcher. Hey, there's report. <laughs> hey, Avila said at MLB Network Radio that the Tigers are going to be interested in bringing him back again. Just so his dad can trade him again. Hey, listen, I, I actually didn't want to talk Tigers here, but if we're being – if I can spend two seconds on this, if the Tigers really did bring back Alex Avila, I would not hate it if if Jake Rogers was on the team next year. I mean, he has to be. He would have to he be. He better be. Show. Imagine if they – Grayson Griner. That guy has to be DFA before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they bring Eric Haas or whatever his name is. Oh, Eric Haas. Yeah. He's the local guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Second day. Thank you very much. <laughs> all, right, all right, go back to the pistons. We're, we're, we're not talking this right now. All right, so uh, before a lot of special uh, special po- or special podcast, uh, trade deadline special. <laughs> let's not do that ever again. <laughs> let's let's not do that ever again. Uh, so before we talk about the Pistons, I actually want to talk a little Vegas Raiders because obviously Grant's a Vegas Raiders fan, and we gotta talk about the Raiders and Grant's here. And it's a big Raiders topic today because <laughs> the Raiders lost on Thursday night to the Chargers. And that that loss absolutely probably ended their hopes at making the playoffs this season if they weren't already over. And now there's some chatter about your head coach, Grant. There's a lot of chatter about John Gruden because you were 6-3 and three, and now you're, what, 7-7? Seven and seven? So... Yep. There's a lot of conversations right now about John Gruden. And listen, no one's calling for John Gruden to be fired. He's not going to get fired. But I do think it's fair to say that year number four, right? Year four? This was three. Yeah, so year, yeah, going into year four, it's going to be higher expectations, to say the least, for the Raiders. Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, we've actually, people forget we've been six and four, sitting at six and four for the twice in the last two years we have had a six and four record at some point in the season and we have finished seven and nine and now we're looking at i mean dolphins broncos on the schedule probably eight and eight so i mean there's definitely some sort of collapse in the fourth quarter of the season um the fourth quarter of the season the only season john gruden doesn't have a winning record 
And there's definitely something there. There's some disconnect where they can't figure it out. And if that's just not Gruden's play style, whatever, whatever's going on has to change. There's, he's not going to be fired this year. Um, he has a, like a team option clause in his fifth year, but he is on the hook for a hundred million dollars in 10 years. So it's not mm-hmm. like we can just walk away from this and like shrug our shoulders, like nothing happened, but definitely expectations have to be playoffs now. Like we've gotten to six and three, six and four, both years. Where is like, what's going on? That's not allowing it. You know what, Grant? You did warn us back when the Raiders were six and four. I did see you tweet, "Hey, I'm just saying the Raiders have been six and four before, and look where that turned into." And now, now look at the Raiders this year. Are are you at all concerned about John Gruden and his the way him and Mayock are building this team after seeing them for two straight years now just have second half collapses in the season? There is some concern, but when you've been around this organization for the last 20 years where we have one playoff appearance or two playoff appearances maybe three seasons with a winning record anything any sign of promise is helpful at this point like those six and three seasons like those starts get me feeling like okay we're getting somewhere and then something happens I, i maybe it's exhaustion maybe it's tiredness i don't know what it is maybe it's defense just wearing out everybody because our defense is absolutely atrocious. Um, but no, it's just, it's a very weird thing to do where I didn't question Gruden when it happened last year, but now that it's happened twice in a row, like fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And now we're getting to that point of, I'm going to be fooled a third time next year when we're six and three and then staring seven and seven in the mouth next year. So that's the question I was actually going to ask you. Let's say it happens again next season. What's your take on John Gruden then? Then I think we could have the conversation of, do you potentially move off of him? Even though he's going to be making a crap ton of money, if he does it again, I... I would be very content to sit on his contract or sit on his guaranteed money let him have it and just go let him enjoy a life in Las Vegas if it happens again. Because this was like, this was supposed to be the year where we got all the kinks out. We got more help on defense. We got more help on offense. We have the fastest wide receiver in the draft. We have this, 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 this. And we still are looking at a one in five finish to the season again. So doing it three times in a row is just, it's becoming a pattern. It's becoming something that's going to happen every year. And if you can't break that trend once out of the three years, then it's not for you. Yeah. Uh, it could have been an 0-6 finish this season, too, <laughs> if it wasn't for Greg Williams sending an all-out blitz. Which, speaking of the Jets, you know, things might be bad for the Lions and Raiders here, but at least we're not in New York today. <laughs> no, this is bad for me, too, because I'm a big investor in sports cards, and I invested a lot of money into Denzel Mim, assuming he was going to have Trevor Lawrence as his quarterback. Oh, no. So, yes. I am actually pissed at the Jets. Oh, the so the Jets winning a football game actually did affect us in some way. But yes. uh, but honestly, though, imagine being a Jets fan today. Oh, no. Imagine being a Denzel Mims sports collector uh, card. <laughs> <laughs> like to flip it down. And, uh, down hey, down maybe, maybe Sam could help him out. Because I don't think they move off of Sam Darnold now. I don't know. I think I'd rather have oh, Sam than Justin man. Fields. Uh, <laughs> I was so excited for Trevor Lawrence. I was buying all these cheap cards. I'm like, oh, I'm about to hit a lake. And they go and beat the Rams. Oh, my God. That hurt the soul. Is it better for Trevor Lawrence to be in Jacksonville, though? 
No, not at all. <laughs> no? Uh, I, I'd rather I'm on the Jets, honestly. I think the Jets are a better fit. I, I like Joe Douglas better than nobody <laughs> for the Jaguars, but... It was, like Tom, it was Tom Coughlin's team, so I don't yeah. know what the hell is running the show there now. Uh, Dave Caldwell's gone too. <laughs> it, it's without question, though, that now the Jaguars have the most attractive jobs, plural jobs, out there. That's the most attractive job out there. From a general manager standpoint, you got so much cap space. You got two first round picks, including the first pick in the draft, which will be Trevor Lawrence. You're in Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, that's that that that's that's gonna be a beautiful job attraction for whoever takes it. Yeah. Our Raiders and Lions are not great right now, but at least we aren't in New York slash New Jersey today talking about the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. <laughs> oh, boy. Grant, does it make you feel any better that the Rams actually lost to the Jets? Tony, you have no idea. Listen, since the Jets game, it's been the Jets were trying to lose. The Jets were trying to lose. And then they come out and actually beat a 9-4 and four team. And like, In their place. Yeah, maybe the Raiders hear about this, think about this, and they're like, Okay, guys, we did beat the Jets. We deserve to win that game. And then we just, I'm not saying make the playoffs because that's almost impossible, but we just win out. Finish season 9-7 and oh. seven on, it's not going to happen at all. Yeah, good luck against Miami. <laughs> good luck. Miami's, yeah, Miami's to legit. To question, yes. Yes, it made me very happy to watch the Jets win. I have live audio of Jet fans to their team today. Second deck. All right. <laughs> Uh, let's move into our final topic of the show today, and that's going to be Pistons basketball, boys, and this is where I'm going to get Eli into the shot. Um, no one can actually see this in the Google Meet right now, but I, all I can see is Eli's head. <laughs> His camera's kind of, there we go, alright, there we, oh, okay, there we go, thank you, Eli. Uh, final topic, Pistons basketball. This is where we're going to get Eli more involved. Uh, the preseason's over. The Pistons regular season will start this Wednesday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, on last week's show, we talked about what we saw from the Pistons throughout the first two preseason games. So now, Eli, the, the question that I will ask you is just give me your overall thoughts on what you saw from the team in the preseason and also talk to me about your overall expectations for this rebuilding Pistons team going into uh, a 72-game regular season? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. 72-game regular season. Uh, I thought they uh, – James Edwards tweeted yesterday that they were Shout the 29th-ranked um, offense in the preseason. But they were the – they were the best-ranked defense in the preseason. Really? Yeah. I did not see that. Which I thought that. was really interesting. Oh, boy. Well. Um, and it's not really a shock because, you know, I've seen our offense before. We don't really <laughs> run the best plays. And oh, you're telling – What are you saying about Dwayne Casey's offense? Dwayne Casey's offense is one of the worst things that I've ever looked at in my life. <laughs> save your thoughts for and, Dwayne Casey. We'll talk about him in a second here. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah we'll save that. But uh, I thought certain guys were playing better than I thought. Josh Jackson, for sure, is going to be in the rotation. And if he's not, it'll be a tragedy. Uh, he's He's been one of the best players on the team in the preseason. I'd say he was and, the uh, bright spot of the preseason. Yeah, he, he was really... He's looking like he might be 
the Christian Wood of this year. Um, then, you know, Killian and the rookies, they look like rookies, but you definitely can see why we drafted them and what they can bring. Um, Blake and D. Rose look healthy, which is always great to see. Svi is shooting like Sviatoslav. flames. Sviatoslav yeah. is shooting flames. Uh, Plumlee and Grant, they they got better with as the games went on, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take them a while to get adjusted. They were in Denver for so long. Um, and, you know, they had a deep playoff run. I think it's just going to take them a little more time yeah. to yeah. get, you know, comfortable. And then Sekou. Sekou looks like he might take that second-year jump that we all hoped he would take. And that's pretty much the most notable things that happened, and you love to see it. And I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about how the preseason went, and it's it's looking like we'll be a f- not a good team going into the season, but we might be a fun team for yeah. Pistons fans, a breath of fresh air, if you will. Yeah, that's that's the point that I was going to bring up to you. Um, you know, this Pistons team, I'm not expecting them to be good at all. I don't think anyone really is, but if they can be a fun young scrappy team that loses by five each night and not 25 i think that would be nice i think that would definitely be ideal for this young rebuilding team and obviously i'm also looking forward to just seeing the young guys this year i mean killian hayes everyone knows how high i am on killian hayes that's that's a player i'm really really high on and i'm looking forward to seeing him this year um, another guy I'm really high on is obviously Sivianoslav. He, as Eli mentioned, looked great in the preseason. And if he can shoot with that much confidence in the regular season, more shots are going to fall for him than they were in his first two seasons. So that's another player I'm looking forward to seeing this year. And then the final player that I'll mention is Seku. You know, again, Eli mentioned that Seku based off the preseason and it is the preseason you got to take it with a little pinch of salt but in the preseason if Seku looked like he could have that second year jump that we were hoping to see this year and that if that did happen that would obviously be fantastic because you know last year even though Seku was the youngest player in the league you still didn't walk away from the season with much to say you know so if he can have a Nice year this year. That would definitely be ideal. Eli, we talked about Dwayne Casey in that little um, segment that you just talked about. Bet Online AG tweeted uh, last week their odds for the first coach to be fired in the 2020-2021 season. And very surprisingly, honestly, I was surprised by this. Dwayne Casey came in second on that list with three to one odds, I believe it was. I know Eli's thoughts, but I'm still going to need you to explain them. So when you see the odds and you see that Dwayne Casey is the second high has the second highest odds to be the first coach fired this season. What's your thoughts on that? And what's your thoughts on the possibility of possibly the Pistons moving off of Dwayne Casey? Yeah, I was, as much as I want to say, I was surprised. I'm kind of not because Troy Weaver has shown he has loyalty to no one that he didn't bring in. So, you know, Troy Dwayne's not a Troy Weaver guy. So I think that's that's not his coach. 
no. And Troy Weaver will literally trade you if you <laughs> like. He'll he'll get rid of you. You're gone if he's not if you're not his guy. He basically traded Bruce Brown for nothing. So <laughs> yeah, because he's not his guy. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um. So it's just I'm not shocked, and I think a lot of people are too shocked that Dwayne was up there. And I know I understand like they're not supposed to be good this year. So like, what's the point of firing Dwayne? But I think if Dwayne isn't playing the way or, you know, developing these guys the way Troy Weaver envisions, I think there will be, I think it'll be like a, a mutual part ways type of thing because Dwayne didn't come here to rebuild. No. Dwayne came here to take SVG's 39 yeah. win team and take them to like a 50 win team, which clearly, you know, the timeline didn't work out like that. And, you know, now Dwayne is kind of stuck here because he's under contract and he's in a rebuild, mm -hmm. which, you know, you could say, oh, he did it in Toronto before, but kind of different because, you know, you had DeMar and Lowry who were just like, you know, they flipped a switch one day and they were like, we're all stars now. And then, you know, you had guys like Pascal and Fred Van Vliet who kind of developed after Dwayne was gone and they have critiqued Dwayne in the past. Um, after Dwayne got fired, they were like, yeah, we never made adjustments while Dwayne was here and stuff like that. And Pascal, you know, the, some of the young players didn't get as many minutes as they should have. And I kind of fear that that's something that might happen this year is, you know, let's say a guy like Wayne Ellington is taking like Svee's minutes or something. Oh, know? God. I don't think Troy Weaver looks at that and says <laughs> – yeah, good job, Dwayne. That's what we want, you know? Or like DeLon Wright, you know, let's say he benches Killian Hayes and plays DeLon Wright and Derrick Rose together or something like that. I don't, I don't think Troy Weaver is going to look at that and be like, yes, oh, yeah, that's our coach right there. That's an amazing decision, Dwayne. What happens if we see that one lineup that we saw in the final preseason game in the regular season? Oh, God, DeLon Wright, Wayne Ellington, uh, who else was out there? Wasn't it Jeremy Grant? Jeremy Grant, Blake, Blake and probably. Mason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That lineup is very Dwayne. And that was like, man, if Troy Weaver is watching right now, I see why those odds. I know it's preseason, so who cares? But yeah. like, if he pulls a lineup like that in the regular season, man, get him. Go. He can go <laughs> that day. That day. And then his offense, too. I think Troy Weaver is a smart enough guy to see, like, our offense has no movement or, like, like, have you ever watched the Warriors play? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Our offense is the, like, complete opposite yeah. of, like, the Warriors, like, mm -hmm. motion, setting illegal picks and stuff. Like, I love that. They, like, setting, like, two picks for your guy to – like, have you ever watched Greg Campy, the OU offense? Yeah, they just shoot, of course. They just cut threes all day and they just come off screens and stuff. Give me that offense. Greg Campy, next coach of the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, that'll never happen. But I mean, I wouldn't. I would be down to be honest. You know what? Mother always told me if you got nothing uh -huh. nice to say, keep your mouth shut. Okay. Come on, man. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> Grant thinks it'll be fun. I'd have a great time. I love Greg Campy. <laughs> Are we serious right now? This was Patricia as our next head coach. <laughs> Second day. I I don't think. I'm just saying it would be great to watch him rip off his sport coat whenever he gets really mad oh, at someone. Be so mad. In the NBA. In the NBA. 
<laughs> what would George's nickname be for Campy? Something about being angry. I can't think of anything right now. But like he's got smooth Johnny Kane and Special K. Did George give them those nicknames? I don't know. I think he gave him smooth Johnny Kane. The Horizon League champion. <laughs> Mr. Horizon. Mr. Red Horizon. <laughs> I like that one. Oh, no. But, I mean, honestly, Eli, do you see, like... Greg Campy? No, 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 no. Do you see... Yes, do you see Greg Campy being the next Pistons head coach? No. no. Do you see the Pistons actually moving off of Dwayne Casey, though, if... I wouldn't be shocked. You would not be shocked, okay. I would not be shocked. Give but... me, give me like, a percentage chance off the top of your head right now that it actually happens. Um, I'd put it at, like... Uh... Honestly, like 33. Oh, that's higher than I thought you were going to say. I put at 33%. That's higher than I thought you'd say. I mean, Troy Weaver just has no loyalty to anyone. That's the thing. And if he wants to bring his own coach in, he's going to do it. He does not care. What do you think needs to happen for Troy Weaver to make that move? Is there anything specific that needs to happen other than his offense and his lineups? Like, is it based on development? It's going to be like Sekou's standing in a corner and like, you know, Wayne Ellington's playing more minutes than people. And, you know, it's going to be Isaiah Stewart's rotting on the bench and Okafor is playing 40 minutes a game. And, you know, I mean, and I don't think he'll be mad if like Plumlee is playing over guys because that's, you know, that's, that's his player. Guy. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy Grant stuff. Like, I wouldn't be, I don't think he'd be mad. But, you know, if, if, if the season, if they're like really bad. Like, if they're, like, not winning – if they start the season, which I think might be possible, if they start the season, like, 1-24, and like, I – have you seen their schedule to start the – Tyler, don't look at me like that. No, I I laugh, but I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I also would not be shocked if they start something maybe not that bad, but if they start terribly. Their schedule is brutal. The Cavs game home opener? The Cavs game is the only, like, really winnable game I see in the first, like, 20. The Cavs, so are, they, also, the Cavs are also the only team I think might be worse than the Pistons. Worse than us. Yeah. That's why I say, obviously, they're going to win. That's just how sports go. You're going to win a game. Yeah. You're going to win games you shouldn't win. Yeah. You know, but how many of those are you really going to get? I'd say, like, two or three maybe in the first 20. Jesus. That you'll win that you shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, you're going to start the season like 4-16, and 16, I think. And if you if it keeps going like that... Weaver wouldn't fire him mid-season. I think he would. I don't that's know. Not, you don't want to build that culture. That's not why he brought in guys like Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee. He at least wants to, like, be fighting. He wants to fight. He doesn't want to just be this... He said, he, oh, we don't want to be Sixers tank bad. He did say that, but I... So, so what if Sixers... What if they're bad, but they're competitive in all these games? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, what happens if they lose by 5 and not 25 each night, but they're still 4 and 20? That's different, but I think he'll be fine. But even then, like, that doesn't that look bad? That you're yeah, just, I mean, you're not winning at the end of the day, which yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. Doesn't that look bad that you can't get the job done? Yeah, you're not yeah. winning, but if you're it's losing... Like, it's like Daryl Bevel, moral victories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we have moral victories? <laughs> He's, he's fighting for the guys. He's fighting oh. for the guys. Packers game was a moral victory. Was it? I mean, who knows, man? If you're in a locker room and you're you're not winning games, like 
you're, you're you start the season four and twenty one in the first twenty five games, like guys get disengaged, man. That's just how it is. Guys won't guys aren't like gonna go out there with energy every night. I think he might let Dwayne go to get even like a little energy boost into the locker room, just like how firing Patricia, you know, now the lines are fighting for Daryl Bevel, you know, something like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I, I just, I'm, I said, I'm not shocked to see Dwayne with the number two odds. Uh, let's go to Tyler now. Um, I'll, I'll throw the, I'll throw the same question to you that I did to um, Eli. Just Give me your honest expectations for this Pistons team this year. And then when you see the odds of Dwayne Casey being the second highest coach to maybe be the first coach fired, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, expectation for the team, I don't think they're going to be good, obviously. I think it's going to be a tough year for the Pistons, a rebuilding year, obviously, for the Pistons. I mean, they transformed the whole roster upside down from, you know, 2019 the 2019-2020 season to now the 2020-21 season. So I'm not really expecting much out of the team this year. I'm expecting probably a gritty team, though, you know, a team that's going to compete every night and, you know, look competitive at least in most games and, you know, maybe just fall up short with just the lack of talent they have compared to the other teams in the NBA. But um, uh, going to the Dwayne Casey thoughts and, you know, the odds, I mean – like Eli mentioned, it's not. It wouldn't be that surprising because at the end of the day, it's not Troy Weaver's guy, and you know this is a guy he you know inherited from you know the not previous regime because of the same front office, but you know the previous you know coach, I guess. So I don't know. I, I feel like it wouldn't be that much surprising. You know, maybe uh, Troy Weaver wants to bring another guy to rebuild these guys. It just depends how the year goes. I mean, if guys are taking big steps, like Seku takes a big step going into year two. Uh, if Josh Jackson, you know, is that Christian Wood, if guys like Killian Hayes are looking good, then not only there's a reason to fire a guy like Dwayne Casey, but that all depends. If we see a lineup like you guys mentioned, you know, in the last uh, couple minutes in that preseason game where they had all those veterans out there, oh, that, that's going to immediately get them fired because that is not a team. That's not a lineup you want to see for a rebuilding team. You know, that's just not what you want to see. You want to see jumps from your guys because what in that game, say you had what two jump shots and and didn't score at all. Yeah, Seiko so, didn't play much that fourth preseason game. So, I mean, it's preseason, so like maybe you take it with a grain of salt with the minutes they're getting, but Oh yeah. It's just the development of what the team, you know, is looking like if they're developing nicely, their young guys are developing, then maybe you keep Dwayne Casey as your bridge coach for, you know, the foreseeable future when you're ready to compete. Then you can, you know, part ways with him and then, you know, you get your next coach. But even Eli hit on the nail. I mean he, Dwayne Casey wasn't brought in in here to rebuild a roster. He was in here to take us over the hump, which I guess that's like the I guess the narrative in Detroit now taking over taking coaches, your taking team over, over the, the hump. hump. And it is not happening. We have another guy in the Tigers. Hopefully, he could take us over the hump now. I now he actually good. should take us over the hump, but <laughs> the most realistic one it seems like. Really? But um, yeah, so it just depends on how these guys develop, and you know, maybe Dwayne Casey doesn't even want the job, like. That's what, what I was he, saying. Like, what if he wants to part ways? Too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what if he wants to part ways? Because he wasn't brought in here to, you know, do this. But it's going to be an interesting decision. So I, I think it just really depends on how the season goes and how these players develop. So I want to see how that happens first before I get too early in saying we should fire Dwayne Casey or we should keep Dwayne Casey. Because, like you mentioned, in Toronto, he did a fine job, you know, at rebuilding that team. He was a nice bridge coach for Nick Nurse. So, I mean, this is a little different scenario and different situation in Detroit. So, 
let's see what he could do as you know being that bridge coach I guess because I don't think anyone here is taking Dwayne Casey's a serious guy that's going to be the head coach for the next 10 years and no. that's the guy that no. you know is going to you know bring us NBA championships like I don't think anybody's saying no. that right now I think no. it's nothing more than a bridge head coach or a guy that's potentially fired at the end of the year so yeah um yeah grant same question to you that i asked the other two guys just your expectations on this young team and then your thoughts when you see that Dwayne casey has the second highest odds to be the first coach fire this year well i think like we've all kind of said i think it's going to be more fun as a developmental kind of team this year instead of a winning team but i like it i like being able to see all these young guys who wouldn't get minutes should the pistons be like a middle of the pack team this year like i like what they've been doing kind of filtering out the guys they don't want or can't build with or can't trade for that matter and it's going to be an interesting season we should all just everyone i encourage every pistons fan to take a rookie or take a young guy and watch him develop and just kind of i claim killian yeah i mean you can you can have it i mean surprised you didn't go with your boy svitislav but hey I'll Regardless. give him to I'll give him to Eli unless he wants Davidis or Vitas. I have the Seiko. Oh, I had a feeling. Who wants Savi then? I'll take Savi. Tyler, who I do like you want? You want Davidis or Tyler, Vitas? Tyler gets Davidis or Vitas. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> but then with Dwayne Casey, I mean, it is weird that the last time he left the team, they won it all, and then now I I mean maybe he came in to win with the roster we initially had. And now the entire script has been flipped, and now he's rebuilding, and he might not be a pure rebuilding coach that we actually need. Like we saw from Pascal Siakam, when Casey left, that's when Pascal became Pascal. And so I could see him leaving and going to a new team. He still has a um, coach of the year under his belt that he can throw on his resume and be like, look, I can coach teams. I just need players that can win now. So, like we'd mentioned, I don't think uh, mutually parting ways is something that won't happen. I definitely think that's something that could happen. I don't think he's the first coach fired, though. I think he takes it this season. Yeah. Yeah. I think he takes it this season. If he doesn't like the fact that he has maybe two more years before this team is even remotely relevant again, then I see him leaving. I I just, I don't, I wouldn't take that 3-1 odds bet. Eli, I don't have the odds pulled up in front of me. Do you happen to know off the top of your head who has the best odds? It's Scott Brooks, two to one. Wizards. Oh. Yeah. I I guess I could see that, but I don't. I also don't think he would be the first coach. And then fired. I believe it's James Borrego for the Hornets. Um, now Steve that's Clifford for the Magic. I think. Now James Borrego, that's someone I could definitely see being the first fired if the Wizard, if the uh, Hornets, excuse me, don't perform the way they're supposed to do with that roster i could see that but i think lloyd pierce for the hawks is up there too don't fire lloyd pierce i don't know. i like lloyd pierce i think you could actually win with him but i think tom tom Thibodeau one and done <laughs> <laughs> the the real question here is who's going to hire greg campy oh, oh my god. god would another team of the horizon league hire greg campy Oh, I don't think he like... would go to the Horizon League. No. He's he would... NBA or bust at this point. Pistons oh, <laughs> <Lord>. are bust. <laughs> you know what? Hashtag David Dahl to Detroit. What about Greg Campy to the Pistons? Greg Campy to Detroit. Oh, my goodness. That might be more obnoxious than David Dahl to Detroit. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Second dick. Okay. To quickly wrap things up, let's go... 
Let's go around the table. Give me your win prediction for this Pistons team. And then give me your Piston of the Year prediction. What I mean by Piston of the Year is who is going to end up being the best player on this team, you think. Who's going to have the most impressive season, I guess. So we'll start with Eli. We'll go to Tyler, then Grant. So Eli, your win prediction and then your Piston of the Year prediction as well. Uh, I think for wins, I have them at 23 wins. I think that's 23 and 59 or 23 and I'm a journalism 49. major. I'll do math. I don't do math either. Who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah, 23 wins for them. And then Piston of the Year. Honestly, I might say, I might say Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant is going to be really good. And I like the way he looked in preseason, especially on defense. I think he's going to lock up whatever opposing best player we go up against. And I think his offense is going to come around. I think he does have some stuff in his bag that he's trying to work out now. And I think as time goes on, he's going to get a lot better during the season. So I, I, I hope I hope it's Jeremy Grant, to be honest. I hope Jeremy Grant becomes the best player on the team because that would be I think that would be nice to see. That'd be ideal after people called him Josh Smith 2.0 after the first yeah, preseason man, I mean, come game. Come on, guys. <laughs> he's a career 40% three-point shooter. He's not just going to come here and just forget how to shoot. He's at least going to still be able to shoot threes. Josh Smith 2.0 after one preseason game. That was a new That was a new low, in my opinion. A <laughs> comparison that Nick, Nick threw out there, Nick Henkel, shout out to him. He said uh, it's more like Reggie Jackson 2.0. Like, he got paid a bunch of money. He, people loved him, and then he got paid a bunch of money, and then everybody hates him. <laughs> I don't think Jeremy Grant's going to be some bust signing here. I was excited for the signing for a reason. I, I, I like that pick from Eli. Let's go with Tyler now. Your win prediction, and then your Piston of the Year. Okay, so we got 72 games this year. 10, you know, less games, obviously, this year. Yeah. So that means less win opportunities for the Pistons, which means better draft lottery odds. So that's good. Um, I'll say they win 21 games this year. Damn it, that it's was my a, pick. All right, I gotta have right. a new pick. It's gonna be a rough year for the the boys. The Pistons are gonna have a rough year. Um, just not a lot of talent, lacking talent this year. Wait, are you saying so they're say, not going to be in the eighth seed picture? I mean, no. So, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Piston of the year now. That's tough. I was actually gonna go with Jeremy Grant too. He likes so I want. I don't want to copy him. I feel like Blake's too obvious, and like I see an injury happening, so I'm not gonna go Blake. I also Derek think he gets actually, traded, so yeah. I, and I think Derek Rose is traded by the deadline, so I'm mm-hmm. not gonna say him. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull one out of my butt. Oh, oh, pull it out of my butt. Ooh. Um, and this is a guy that uh, Eli referred to maybe a Christian Wood effect. I'm gonna say Josh Jackson. Ooh. Maybe he eventually takes that okay. starting role, shooting guard. Right. With you know, he could take over Delon Rice, but I think that's very possible. So Please. I'll say Josh Jackson is pissing of the year, and that's a guy we might be looking at and saying, is this a guy we potentially build around now? So uh, yeah. Josh if, Jackson. If Josh Jackson turns into that next Christian Wood, hopefully we actually keep him and not let him go. <laughs> Christian Wood is looking very good, too, in Houston. I'm still, I, I still don't know about that move from Trey Weaver. I don't know. Like I, I like Isaiah Stewart, but I, I don't know. But that's a nice pick from Josh Jackson, though. All right, Grant, you're last. Actually, I would be last, but you're last in this Google Meet call, I guess. Win prediction, Piston of the Year prediction. Your mic's muted, Grant. 
Oh no! Good shout! Good shout! There good we shout. go. Good, good. Hey. Um, win prediction. I'm going. I'm going pretty low with like eighteen. Oh, um, that I'm was going of, to be my pick. Oh my <laughs> god! I'm kind of looking at that. What was that? The Bulls team a couple years back, where we didn't know if they were going to have ten wins on the season. Like I, I'm giving us ten. wins. You think we'll be sure. that bad? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm oh, saying, no doubt in my mind, the Pistons win ten. Oh, so I think eighteen is kind of. <laughs> you're, being, <laughs> you're like being generous. <laughs> I'm you think you're doing them a solid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being. This is a Christmas miracle that I'm giving I you at least you 10. Win 10. Dude, I think Gonzaga could win 10 in the NBA. Oh. Oh, I'm yeah. Yeah, you want to talk college basketball? Let's talk about how Gonzaga is going to be the most overrated number one team in the country again. Uh, continue. Yeah, when does that ever happen? Anyway, um, I mean. Campy could win of, with Gonzaga. <laughs> Campy could win at Gonzaga for sure. Um, no, it's kind of contrarian, and I've just, I think a couple of us on this Google Meet have really been following uh, Siku, and I think he's added 20 pounds, he's probably getting a lot more girls, which Dwayne Casey <laughs> said was detrimental in improving his game. That's so, <laughs> Hopefully I mean, not said, in a pandemic, though. Hopefully he's being kind of safe. Ooh, good yeah, shout. Yeah. Great yeah. shout on that. Could Dwayne Casey hook a man up like me, please, something? <laughs> <laughs> hook the fans up. <laughs> Yeah, we're Siku can do it on his own, dude. He's got a NBA paycheck and he's like six fifty. Whatever. But no, I I like the way he's been playing offensively, defensively. I would like to see him get a little more confident driving to the hoop more often. But I think he can really be a major part. I'm not saying the piston of the year, but I think he can be play a much bigger role, especially if he doesn't just have to stand in the corner for his entire um minutes on the court. Okay. Because that's been frustrating. I've watched Stanley Johnson do it, which under, I guess was understandable. But Siku can actually kind of shoot the ball. So I feel like getting him moving, getting some movement, like we were talking about earlier, can really open up his ability to start scoring and helping this team more. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, first of all, we're not taking shots at Greg Campy, by the way. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I literally get paid to talk about the basketball team. I like Greg Campy. We're not, like, taking shots at him or anything. I don't think anyone said anything negative. It's been all, like, I, said I, like, like, I want him on the Pistons. Just making, just making sure we get that narrative out there before someone 100%. comes at, someone comes at me being angry that we're talking about Greg Campy. My win prediction, it's going to seem low, but you'll have to have me explain. Because first of all, everyone took my original two picks. But I'm going to go around the 16-17 range. And the reason it's that low is because, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And it's crazy to not think that it, it, it it's possible that they might not even play all 72 games. Like I'm obviously not saying I want this to happen, but you have to be prepared for something to happen and you might not actually play all of your games. So to be on the realistic side, um, I'll say 17, assuming that there will be some games that they don't play. And it might not be the Pistons' fault. Like, what happens if the Cavs have a problem and they can't play a few games against Cleveland, you know? So I'll go 17 wins because of that whole pandemic aspect and also because the Pistons are probably going to blow this year. That's just the ultimate reality of things. And I would not complain about 17 wins at all because (laughs) that would mean you're going to have at least top three projected odds. Yeah, for sure. 17 wins might get you number one. 
I don't know, man. There's a lot of good teams in the league this year. Yeah, the Eastern Conference is a lot better, too. So that's... And also, too, the Pistons schedule just isn't good. (laughs) No, it's It's not good, man. There ain't a lot of wins on there, man. I went through the whole schedule so far with one of my cousins, and we were picking out which games they could win and which they could lose. And I think... I think we had what, what did they release like 35 37 games so far? They only I, I don't know the exact number but they call it the first half. So yeah, yeah it's something like 35 37. I think we found like nine wins in there. Yeah. At most. Again- we were generous too. We were like if they played like the same team twice, like they played like the Magic twice, we we're like, yeah, we'll give them one against the Magic, you know. Again. So we we're pretty generous. Uh, again. I only see the Cavs being better than this Pistons team this year. I mean, Eli brought up the Thunder a couple of days ago to me, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think the Thunder are the worst team in the league on purpose. I don't know. Maybe on purpose, but they've also got two million first-round picks. So that's the plan. Again, because of schedule, the roster, and just the fact that we're in a pandemic, and the reality is you're probably not going to play all 72 games. Um, I, I'll go with 17. And my Piston of the Year, I mean, I'm sure everyone's expecting me to say Siviana Salaz, but I'm going to go Killian. I'm uh, I'm not necessarily expecting Killian to blossom this year and be the Piston of the Year, if you will, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I liked what I saw for him in the preseason. He kind of looked as advertised in the first four preseason games. He turned the ball over a lot, sure, but he showed... So did Derrick Rose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah, especially in that final preseason game. Goodness. But, you know, Killian, while he had some turnover issues, he did show also some of the potential he's got on both ends of the floor. He played well defensively in the preseason. He did well passing the basketball. He showed a little bit of that step back three, which I'm telling you, it's eventually going to fall, and it's going to be such a beautiful step back three shot with a chef's kiss. Yes, yes, Tyler, yes, chef's kiss. It's going to be beautiful, and... There's a reason I'm so high on Killian Hayes. I'm not putting expectations on him to just explode this year, but I'm I'm just calling my shot right now. I'm going to say Killian Hayes will have the best season of any Piston this year, and I would be very Does excited he about that. Team? Yes. First or second? <sighs> second. That's, that's I, safe. I, I think Lamelo is probably going to get first. It's safe. Yeah, I mean. The Rod Beard just tweeted the rookie of the year odds, and Killian is still fifth. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not coming in front of this this microphone and saying that Killian's going to win rookie of the year. <laughs> it's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying um, I would I think it's possible that we could see Killian play better than what we might have expected. So, and that would be very very cool, obviously as well. So, boys, I think this is a good way to wrap up this week's show, unless Tyler wants to quickly talk about the Mets signing James McCann. Nah, sure. Your oh, no, 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 no. Is there any bit of hype around Yomer Sanchez getting interested? Yeah, really Sanchez. Oh, dear. Is he still in Korea or whatever he is? Japan? Oh. I thought he made, a, he made a return with the Chicago White Sox. Did he? Year. I don't know. Yeah, last year. I, I feel oh, like yeah. that's something you should know, Tyler. <laughs> Where's Jared Saltalamakia? Salty? He, oh, he, Is he, he a coach or? He might actually be in Japan or something. I don't know. <laughs> he has to be a part of a staff somewhere. He's a smart guy. Hey. I always wanted a Saltalamakia jersey just because of how long his last name was. 
like thing wrapped <laughs> halfway around the jersey. Yeah. We've, we've had the longest guy in MLB history's name, and we've had the shortest guy in MLB history's name, last name-wise. We've had... Uh, oh, what's his name? Futini. Futini. Oh, man. <laughs> we actually had two of the longest names in baseball history. We had Salto Machia and then Matt Tui Asasopo. Oh, Jeff Sopo, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God almighty. Okay. Um, I Okay, no sarcasm here. I actually do want to mention this to close out the show. Boys, we're getting Red Wings hockey back next month. January 13th, 2021, the Wings are coming back. Big hockey guy, Eli's wearing red for the Wings today. How about that? All right, so you guys ready to dedicate an entire podcast just to the Red Wings' expectations oh, yeah. for the oh, season? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it, we, we, we can do that with some Michigan football talk, too, as well. Yeah, yeah. Throw that in there. <sighs> Mixing some Michigan football with some Red Wings hockey. Can we have a 15-minute segment for Jimmy Howard? <laughs> how he's yeah, I mean, gone? Are we, are we ways with it? <laughs> how he's gone? Yeah. yeah like a remembrance for Jimmy Howard. Are we going to do a that deep a ceremonial yeah. speech for? Uh... Are we going to do a deep dive <laughs> breakdown on Thomas Grice? Yeah. What about uh, Justin Applicator? <laughs> oh dear God! <laughs> what is Jonathan Erickson doing now that the Red Wings finally released him? Call into the show. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's actually that's actually a post-pandemic celebration that we need to do. <laughs> Jordan Zimmerman's so contract. Zim. Zim and uh, Jordan Zimmerman. Well, that is a celebration. <laughs> Our first show back together in the WXOU studio. We're not going to be celebrating the fact that we're back together. We're going to be celebrating that Jordan Zimmerman is finally gone. <laughs> All we're right. going to need the good like Joes for that. I'm still waiting to hear back from them. <laughs> Even though that email has probably been deactivated. <laughs> All right, boys. Happy holidays. To you three and everyone listening at home, what are you guys doing for the holidays this year? Probably going to see my immediate family and social distance from there. So Eli, eating, eating some pacha this uh, Christmas? <laughs> my aunt is making pacha for me, and she's going to drop it to my house, and my mom is making lamb. Okay. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a good Christmas for me. Okay. And Actually, I found, can, well. can, I, can I tell a story really quick, Tony? Go ahead. Uh, last night I decided to go through my old Xbox 360s game. Oh, you're telling this story? Yeah, yeah. I decided to go through my Xbox 360 games, and way back in the day when I was a little kid, I would keep all the money I got from Christmas and my birthday in one of in an NBA 2K11 case, and I just decided to open it. And sitting right there was the crispiest $100 bill I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And I have no idea how long that's been in there. Hey, that's so, smart, man. That, that, that's, that's, that's smart investing at a young who needs, age. Who needs banks? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? you know, like, just 2K11 cases. You'll even want it. Wow. I'm impressed. I like that. <laughs> well, ho, 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 Eli. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> and everyone else out there, check your 2K11 cases if you got mm. them, because you never know what you'll find. Who was on it? Jordan on that one? Yeah, Jordan, yeah. yeah. I actually snapped that game in half because it stopped working, and I got mad. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end this week's show. So, happy holidays, everybody. For Tyler Sawa, Grant Richards, Eli Bastian, and also Mike Billica. Shout out to Mike. Hopefully that final went well. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Trash Talk with Tony Nebrowski. We'll catch you guys soon.